So I live in downtown Hamilton and I own an electric lawnmower. The two concepts are related. Now, if you've ever been through downtown Hamilton, it's like 100-year-old plus homes. We have one of those. And typically in these 100-year-old plus homes, the, the backyard is the size of this carpet. And my house is no exception. Now, for the most part, that's like a real <laughs> gift. If you're not like landscape adept and if you have real... Um, trouble with weeds, this is the backyard for you. And so I have an electric lawnmower. And if you've had an electric lawnmower, or if you've used one before, you know that the source of electricity comes by like plugging it into a wall. And so a few weeks back, um, I'd had like a pretty crappy day, uh, a very Ecclesiastes day, just like everything felt meaningless and chaotic and like without reason or rhyme. And so I just wanted to get outside into my postage stamp of a backyard and cut the lawn, which needed it. And so I, if you, if you ever cut your grass with an electric lawnmower, it's like you, you do a couple passes and then you got to kind of ring the, the extension cord uh, over the top of it and then do a couple more passes and then back over the other side, a couple more passes and back over the other side. My backyard is like six passes. And so there I was just about finished cutting the yard for the day, wanting to get outside to get away from the chaos of just a really tumultuous day. And as I was doing my last couple strips of the grass, I like flung the cord over. And as if in slow motion, I watched the recoil wave of the cord go towards the wall and you know what's coming. And with no exaggeration, honest to goodness, the, 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 the recoil of the cord hit the wall where it was plugged in, unplugged it, and then tied it in a knot twice. Like, seriously, how is that possible? Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever had this happen to you where something of a crappy day turned into an even crappier day where you looked at something you were doing or something happened to you and you're like, how is this even possible? How could that possibly happen? Or in the words of Ecclesiastes chapter one, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Meaningless, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? So welcome to the end of our wisdom series where we've been tracing through and tracking through the wisdom, ancient divine literature of what God says and what humans experience when it comes to wisdom and sorting out the, the sometimes feeling of chaos that the world is. And this is the question that just continues throughout the book of Ecclesiastes for sure, but throughout all of wisdom literature, throughout wisdom literature, is there any justice? Is there any equity or equality, any reason for doing what we're doing? And by the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, which we're going to get into in just a second, reducing things down to, well, if there is reason, can we come to an agreed upon point? What is the purpose of life? Why are you there? Why am I here? Why are we here together? And so in this final installment of our wisdom teaching series, focusing where we've been walking through three books in particular, actually, um, the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we're, we're diving into the culmination of what wisdom is, which is where the end of Ecclesiastes gets us. And the teacher, the Koheleth, asks some blunt questions. Why do we hunger for justice? Why does that matter to us? And what do we do when it doesn't work out the way that we thought it should, or the way that it just would like naturally, logically, uh, it should. 
is wealth and wine and sex, pleasure, the real end goal of human existence? And what about when that doesn't work out super well? Is there something more that God is up to here? And therefore something that we should be up to here as part of this story called life in the end is life meaningless and futile, or is there wisdom to experience and joy and rest taking a breath to be a part of in this thing called life. And despite my, lawnmower and extension cord, I do think it's the latter, that the culmination of wisdom leads us towards joy and grace and rest and peace and love. So who wrote this book and why? Well, like we tackled last week, we don't actually, uh, we don't know. Now, some of us would say, well, it's, it's th- these are the words of Solomon. Well, maybe, but that was actually attributed, uh, like that was part of a, um, a later tradition um, with, with the ancient scripture writers, attributing this to like a person. But really the picture that we're getting to when we read through Ecclesiastes is the personification of wisdom. It's the personification of wisdom using Solomon, the son son of David, as the picture, like what a person looks like who is wise. Someone who has had all the things, has accumulated all the wisdom things, has tried all the things, has been all the places, has had it all, and comes to the end of that saying, here's what I have learned. Now, most clearly, the picture that the writer, author, teaching is trying to evoke, like Daryl said so well last week, is not a, a singular person, like a king or an individual. Individual, but it's actually like the collection of the sages. It's actually wisdom, the, the wisdom of the sages, like the like um, old wise elders at, at a bar having a drink and talking about what they've learned and experienced or like grandmas and grandpas in the backyard around a fire with like a hot cup of coffee talking about to their grandkids, like here's what life has looked like for me. Or, uh, you know, the, the, the wise elders of a village um, standing in the middle of the center of the square saying, you know, friends, countrymen, lend me your ears. And what are they talking about? Well, what is life? What isn't life? And what do we do with it all? And then fascinating, which we're going to get to at the end of this uh, teaching, about two, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus will then enter onto the scene and will claim for himself the divine personification of wisdom and invite us into it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Great. We'll get into that. But first, what the Havel? What the Havel is going on here? Now, this is a word that's used 38 times, 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, Hevel or Havel. Now, in your translation, if you open your Bible up, and we're going to be jumping into Ecclesiastes chapter 12 in just a minute as like the kind of final word of wisdom. Um, in your translation, if you read even that first chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter one, the first three verses, what does it say there? Does it say the word meaningless. Yes. For, for most of our translation, that's the word in some translations, it's futility or futile or with chaos. I don't think meaningless is, um, translates the word properly. The word is havel, havel. It doesn't translate to the word meaningless, nor does it mean a lack of meaning. Um, the author never actually says that. In fact, what he actually says throughout wisdom literature and certainly in Ecclesiastes is that life is like this. See that? Right there. That. Havel. Havel. This is life. 
that it's not meaningless, that it's not insignificant, that it is seen, it does have a purpose, but in the end, it, it does end the same way. It's smoke, it's a vapor. So what the Havel, what is life all about? Uh, how do we like understand the, the futility or frustration of life? Well, it's knowing the place, it's knowing that life is finite, that life is like a vapor. It's a breath, it's an air, it's a smoke, it's here and then it's gone. It's not fascinating. So the beginning of wisdom is not actually that it's a lack of meaning. It's not saying in order to, to fulfill like the divine thumbprint of wisdom, you need to understand that in the end, everything is pointless. No, it's not that there's just no point to anything or nothing to do whatsoever. Rather, the beginning of wisdom is to know your space, to know your timeline and your place in it. Or to put another way, one of my favorite scholars wrote it this way. The beginning of wisdom is to realize your existence in the infinitude of God and creation and your deeply loved and finite place within it. Ah, oh, I'm gonna repeat that. The beginning of wisdom is to realize your existence in the infinitude, the expanse of God and eternity and creation, and then your deeply loved and finite, limited place within it. So wisdom in review, here's how we got where we are. There's actually um, seven total books in the uh, ancient writings of scripture. There's five within our canon as it is right now. And then there's two in the Apocrypha. So the five total books are Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon or Songs. And then in the uh, Apocrypha Pseudepigrapha, it's, it's wisdom, the book of wisdom or, or Ecclesiasticus and Sirach. So what are all these about? In our canon, the book of Psalms, if you remember back to the beginning of our series, the book of Psalms is literally like, blong, it's you should sing and write stuff. As you journey towards wisdom, this will help you. Proverbs, remember what you've learned from your elders, from the sages and, and wise elders that have gone before you. Remember what you've learned, pass it on. Be a person of integrity that would make your mama proud. Proverbs 31, this will help you towards wisdom. The book of Job, which we'll get to an, an entire series um, on this later on in our year on its own, what to do about suffering that admittedly and honestly, the world sometimes sucks, but look to God, this will help you. Do you see a pattern here? The song of Solomon, that covenant relationship with somebody is nice. That being in partnership with somebody where uh, in friendship or in intimacy, uh, it, 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 Intimacy, sex is nice. Be committed to each other. This helps. And then finally, we wrap up our time in this series of Ecclesiastes with, well, the, culmina the culmination of wisdom that like this life is fleeting. It goes by quickly. It's like smoke. It's like a vapor. None of it will last. So enjoy life. Enjoy where God has placed you. Enjoy what life has to offer, some of which is directly the, the, uh, the teacher in Ecclesiastes will, will credit as a gift from God. But in the end, revere God and obey him, I guess, because it is the only thing that will help you. I'm going to repeat that again. Enjoy God and revere him and obey him because it is the only thing that will help you. Now, across all of our sites, I will invite you to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the very end, the, the, the final word, the culmination of wisdom in this ancient book at the end of a very like 
dark and dirty and frustrating and chaotic and kind of like negative Nancy book, but I love how it ends, which is why we're going to dive into it. Um, so find your place in Ecclesiastes. It's kind of near the middle of the Bible and then go all the way. If you need your table of content, uh, table of contents, you can, and then go all the way to the end of the book to chapter 12. Now, while you're turning there, I'll make just a, um, uh, turn your attention to a couple different things that are coming up over the next number of weeks. Next week, we begin a brand new mini series that, that takes us back to um, like return to base camp. So Matt Miles, our uh, senior director, led us so well in like, a, where are we at as a church and where are we headed? And we want to continue that conversation talking about, okay, so where are we right now as a church family? Where are we headed as it means to be like super local? Uh, and then where do we see God taking us into the future? So that's uh, the rest of the July uh, of July. And then into August, our series is going to be focused on. So like, why are we not just soul and spirit? Why are we encased in this like fleshly body? So we'll be talking about like appetites and the physicality of being human and how we are wonderfully and holistically made whole, being whole um, in the image of God. So th those are a couple of quick commercials. I can't wait. July and August is going to be great. Okay. So let's jump into Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I have it here in the NIV, but I'm actually going to be reading it from the message. I don't tend to use the message very often. I love the translation. It's very poetic, uh, but sometimes it misses the mark a little bit in terms of translations, but I love the way Ecclesiastes chapter 12 is laid out in the message. Um, I would encourage you to track along, or even if you just want to like close your eyes, so long as you're not driving or on a treadmill, if you just want to close your eyes and soak in these words, they are beautiful and haunting frustrating, chaotic, meaningful, and point us towards wisdom. Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 from the message. Honor and enjoy your creator while you're still young. How's that for an opening line? Honor and enjoy your creator while you're still young. Before the years take their toll and your vigor and energy wanes, before your vision dims and the world blurs and the winter years keep you close to the fire, in old age, your body no longer serves you so well, or at least not as well as it did. Your muscles slacken, your, your grip weakens, your joints stiffen, the shades are pulled down in darkness on the world. You can't just come and go and, at will like you used to. Things grind to a halt. The hum of the household fades away. <laughs> are you glad we're reading this so far? You're, you're now awakened by like the early morning birds. Hikes to the mountains or on the trail are a thing of the past. Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns out apple blossom white, adorning a fragile and impotent matchstick body. Yes, you're well on your way to death and eternal rest. Amen. We could end there. While your friends plan your funeral. Life as we know it, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. The body is put back in the same ground that it came from. Dust to dust, the spirit returns to God who first breathed it. It's all Havel, smoke, nothing but Havel, smoke. The teacher says that everything's Havel, smoke. But here's the final word. Being wise himself, the teacher also taught others knowledge. Huh. He weighed in, examined and arranged many proverbs, these ancient uh, sage-like sayings from, from the elders of past to remember, arranged many proverbs. The teacher did his best to find the right words and write the plain truth. And the words of the wise prod us, push us to live well. They're like nails hammered home, holding life together. They're given by God, the good shepherd. Oh, pay attention there, my friends. But regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, go easy on yourself.
there's no end to the publishing of books and constant studying wears you out. So you're no good for anything else. But the last and final word is this. The culmination of wisdom is this. Revere God, fear God and do what he tells you. And that's it. Eventually God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to its intent, whether it's good or whether it's evil. So here's the final word, fear God, revere God and do what he tells you. That's it. Yo. Okay. So a little bit of a journey of uh, through chapter 12, and we're going to pass through it quite quickly. Um, like Daryl said last week, there's two voices that we see in the text. There's the teacher, the Koheleth, and then there's the narrator. So there's like second and third person. There's the teacher who's the personification of wisdom attributed to Solomon, who's looking back over a life of, of, of accumulation, of getting all of the things, learning all of the things, experiencing all of the things, and then zooming out. There's the, the voice of the narrator who is commenting on like the experience itself and is giving the summary. Some scholars would say this is meant to be like the voice of the father of Yahweh, of God, of God most high, looking at the, the culmination, the writing of wisdom and saying, but here is really the final word when it all gets down to it. So leading up to chapter 12, if you follow through and I would really encourage you, it's an, e well, it's not an easy read. It's a quicker read. It's 12 chapters long. It take you like an hour, hour and a half. I would encourage all of us across all of our sites listening to read through Ecclesiastes, uh, the whole book, but especially chapter 12 again this week, there's much for us to learn. So leading up to this, there's um, the, the, the teacher is processing stuff is processing the work of his hands. Again, this is the personification of wisdom. So it's, it's, it's actually probably representing the Israelite nation and all of the things that they've tried to do and got to. And yet it all amounts to just like, it's, it's leaving one lacking. So the journey of stuff, of riches, of, of amassing wealth, of hoarding and storing, of owning and enslaving people, having as much money as possible and realizing, shoot, nope, this is not the ticket to wisdom. Some of it points to uh, in chapter uh, five and six and seven, uh, the teacher will say that some of it points to the gifting and the grace of God, that God actually provides good gifts. But in the end, it's beside the point really. And then he goes on at the beginning of chapter 12 and actually chapter 11 about talking about like the novel of youth of like the, the novelty and energy of youth. And that when you are young with energy and vitality, remember Remember, don't get so accustomed to and narcissist, narcissistic in your own personality traits or, or what you think you need or, or the stuff that you want to get. Remember your place in creation. Remember the brilliance of creation, the world in its beauty that exists around you. And then the brilliance and beauty of your creator, that you're here for a reason that you're deeply loved by God, fearfully and wonderfully made, says the psalmist, and your life is still temporary. This physical life is temporary. So it shouldn't be the summary of all that you are just trying to get the most stuff possible. Hustle is the opposite of wisdom, that old age will come and things will slow down. And so while you're still young and in the words of the prophet Kendrick Lamar, sit down, be humble. And then to conclude, and this is the final verdict of ancient wisdom. Remember as the gathered ones, verse nine, uh, wisdom is like a shepherd to follow. Wow. Wisdom is like a shepherd to follow. And what does a shepherd do? He leads sheep. He leads the flocks. Sometimes they wander, but he's still always there pushing, prodding, caring, disciplining, moving 
to the sheep towards their best and most wise path to live well. Wisdom is like a shepherd to follow, uh, to follow that encourages us to, to follow and revere God and live how we were created to live. This is the summary. This is the final word. This is how the writer, the personification of wisdom wraps up this wisdom teaching in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. So here's where we come in. Have you noticed any similarities in the title of this book and the word that's most used, especially by Jesus um, for, for church? The, 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 the title of the book is Ecclesiastes, which means um, teaching, teacher, preacher, gathered ones around wise teaching. And then Ecclesia, which is the root word for like how we get the, the word church that Jesus, some scholars would say coins uh, in his ministry is wise gathered ones called out for a purpose. Wise gathered ones called out for a purpose. So from Ecclesia to Ecclesiastes to Ecclesia, teaching and gathering, teaching and gathering, learning and doing, learning and doing together. Now gathered around what? That's interesting. Um, a hundred years or a couple hundred years before Jesus, the book of Sirach, another wisdom writing, um, points to Torah, is the, the, the book, the book, the, the gathered laws of the Lord, which revives the soul, Psalm 19 says. That Torah is the culmination of wisdom, that as, as ones who follow God, we're to learn the book, to learn about the people of God, to learn the way of God, to keep the, the commands of God. This is wisdom. The culmination of wisdom is to learn the book, to learn about the people of God in the book, to learn the way of God through the book and to keep the, the commands of God through the book, learning the book as well. This is wisdom. The, the author, Jesus, son of Sirach writes this. Jesus, son of uh, Eliezer, son of Sirach writes this in Sirach uh, chapter six, verses 24 and 30. Put wisdom's chains, the chains, the, the weight of teaching of Torah around your feet Put wisdom's chains around your feet and her yoke around your neck. Carry her on your shoulder and don't be resentful of her bonds. Follow wisdom, Torah, and keep to her ways with all of your heart. Go looking for her and she will reveal herself to you. Take hold of her and don't let go. Don't let go of the teaching of Torah. Then you will discover the peace of mind that she offers and she will become your joy. And then verses 29 and 30, the signs of your, the slavery you wear, will become signs of royal majesty. Her chains, wisdom, Torah, teaching will be your protection and you will wear her yoke like a magnificent robe. So what leads to wisdom in the ancient mind, in the ancient Israelite mind, in the ancient Israelite mind, trying their best to sort out the chaos of their experience and follow God to the best of their abilities. What leads to wisdom is the book, the yoke of Torah, of teaching, of reading and learning and memorizing, reading and learning and memorizing and engaging in this uh, religious codification and ritual observance of what it means to follow God. Enter Jesus who takes things in a completely different, beautiful, amazing, loving, gracious direction. Enter Jesus, the yoke, the weight of grace and the wisdom of love personified. Now in Matthew chapter 11, um, it's, it's just brilliant. Here's what it says. Now, 
on the cusp of this, Jesus has actually like disciplined a couple cities in particular who, who are making it hard for people to connect with God and to experience the love of God in their everyday life, essentially um, making the life of a poor person even poorer and harder. And so he pronounces judgment on a couple cities in particular and says, woe to you, judgment on you, nothing but judgment on you. You make it difficult for people with all of your rules uh, and your lack of repentance to actually enter in, follow and experience the heart and love of God. And then he directs his earliest followers, his disciples, likely they were thinking, okay, so so then what about for us? Like, how do we do this, Jesus? What is it that you want to teach us? What is the fulfillment and culmination of wisdom that you have for us? And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Again, reading um, from, from the message translation. Come to me, everybody who's tired and weary and you carry heavy burdens and yokes and I will give you teaching, words, study, books. Nope, rest. Take my yoke, take my weight upon you. Let me teach you wisdom because I am humble and gentle at heart. And what will you find? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden that I give you is light. One more time. Come to me, all you who are weary and you carry heavy burdens. The chaos of life, the lack of justice and the the confusion that seems all around, whether it be an existential crisis or an, an extension cord that tangles itself up. Come to me, all of you who are weary and, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, <sighs> a breath for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, my wisdom, my teaching is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So what is the summary of wisdom and the meaning of life that Jesus gives? Is it just to learn more of the books, to study to your darndness, to, to amass as much wealth as possible and as much things as possible, as many degrees as possible while maintaining and being reminded that your life is a vapor? No. Here's how Jesus puts it. Love God, love people experience rest and grace, not from religion or empty religious rituals, but learn how to do it from me. Jesus' summary of wisdom and the meaning of life is to love God and each other and to experience rest and grace in in a creator that is loving, that is joyful, that we're made in the image and likeness of God, that we're created out of joy and love, that we are cherished by the divine. And that while our life is but a vapor, this life is not all there is. So experience rest and grace be under the covering of grace and learn how to do it from me. Learn how to do it from the author and perfecter of our faith, the culmination, the personification of wisdom, who is Jesus, the incarnate deity, God made flesh, showing showing us who and how God is and what a human life that follows God looks like. Rest, grace, love for God and love for people, learning how to do it from Jesus. So my friends, when you find yourself struggling to untie the knots of your extension cord, 
when you find yourself contending with injustice or inequality, or you find yourself struggling with doubt or wrestling with like, what is the point? What is the meaning of my life? May you know that you are deeply loved by your creator. May you know that you are covered by grace. May you know in your soul that you're invited to follow Jesus into a life that's rich in meaning and purpose, which is to love God and to love each other. This is the fulfillment of wisdom. This is the meaning of life. And so may it be so in you, in me, in us, and together and in Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen.